Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of John. Hi, faithful listeners. This is Jen here. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on this lovely Thursday morning. It is rainy here where I'm at. We had uh, some storms a little bit, but nothing too serious. They were actually claiming that the storms were going to get pretty serious, but I didn't really... I didn't really experience many storms here where I live, but let me know how all of you guys are doing. Let me know what the weather is like where you live. Contact me and introduce yourself. You're going to find my contact information in the bio of the podcast episode. And also go over to my YouTube channel because I know I'm doing something right because people are kind of mad at me. I had I had quite a bit of pushback on my newest video that I uploaded. It was discussing God's kill count and why it's a stupid argument. So I'm going to link that also in the description of the podcast episode. Go over to the YouTube channel and support me and also P40 Ministries over there as well. And also the Bible Explained podcast. All the old episodes are being uploaded to YouTube as well. So you can listen to everything over there. Today, let's read John chapter 12 verses 1 through 11 today. I'm going to be reading out of the WEB version as I always do. Please feel free to grab the version of the Bible that you prefer to read out of and also let me know what your favorite version of the Bible is. When you contact me, answer this question. What is your favorite version of the Bible? So I'm going to be reading out of the WEB. Make sure to grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea. That rhymed. And let's jump into this together. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there. Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Therefore Mary took a pound of ointment, of pure nard, very precious, and anointed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the ointment. Then Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, one of his disciples, who would betray him, said, Why wasn't this ointment sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now he said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And having the money box, he used to steal what was put into it. But Jesus said, leave her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you don't always have me. A large crowd, therefore, of the Jews learned that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests conspired to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. So right before this, we've been discussing how Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And a lot of people began to believe in Jesus because of that great miracle. I mean, Jesus waited four whole days After Lazarus had died, like Lazarus was buried, he was in the tomb. But Jesus uh, had other plans, obviously. And so he ended up raising Lazarus from the dead. And he did it at the perfect time because he was about to die. It was not a very long period of time that passed from the raising of Lazarus to the Passover. Now, we don't know exactly how long it was, but it does not seem like a very long period of time at all. In my personal opinion, this is just me throwing a number out. I would guess like a month maybe beforehand because that would give a lot of people time as well to tell the story of Jesus healing Lazarus from the dead. You'll actually notice, especially in the other Gospels, that Jesus was 
kind of private with a lot of his miracles that he did up until a certain point. And he would tell people to actually be quiet after he healed them or something. He'd be like, now, don't tell anybody. Just go to the priest, have him look at you and declare you healthy or something like that. But he'd say, don't tell anybody that this happened. But now you can see that Jesus is very public with everything that he is doing. He is really showing himself to be God. He is really showing the people of his time period that he is the Messiah, for sure, with all of these different miracles that he's doing. And this is because Jesus's time to die was getting very close. And because he was about to fulfill the purpose that he had came to earth to do, now was the perfect time for people to start believing in Jesus believing in Jesus as their savior. And it actually said that the multitudes that saw Jesus heal Lazarus from the dead began to believe in Jesus. It said many believed in him. Not all of them. Many did. Some of them went away and told the Pharisees that Jesus had, you know, healed Lazarus from the dead. And the Pharisees weren't too happy about it, even though they totally believed it. They were like, yes, Jesus did, in fact, you know, rise somebody from the dead, but we're not going to believe in him. Uh, And it says that they believed it because they were like, he's doing all these great miracles and he's going to, you know, cause us to lose our position here in the temple or something like that. They, They weren't too happy about Jesus rising to popularity. Now, after the Pharisees knew about Jesus doing this fantastic miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead, Jesus actually departed and hid in a little city called Ephraim for a while. We don't know how long. It wasn't too long, but he went to go hide there because it wasn't yet time for him to die. I do believe that Jesus had every intention of dying on Passover just due to the prophets before him, you know, claiming that he was a lamb set out to slaughter, which is a perfect representation of the Passover lamb, right? That the the Israelites would sacrifice every single year on Passover. So I think Jesus had every intention, no matter what, of dying, of giving his life up on the Passover. So now, six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was. So Jesus healed Lazarus from the dead. He came to Bethany. That's where Lazarus, Martha, and Mary lived. And I like that John makes the distinction where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. So John is making it very clear to everybody reading this that Lazarus was alive and well. So they made him a supper there. So Jesus got a supper from Martha and Mary. And I love this because it says Martha served. That is very like Martha. You know, you remember the stories before where Martha very much is the doer. She's the servant. So Martha served. Lazarus was one who sat at the table with Jesus. But Mary, once again, is like off doing her own thing, which which obviously her what Mary was doing here was the better thing. You know, Mary was very much worshiping Jesus. And every single time we see Mary and Martha together, Martha's serving. Mary is worshiping Jesus in some way. And even Jesus himself says that um, Mary chose the better. Now, don't get me wrong here, though. Martha was, in fact, serving Jesus. And perhaps in her way, this was 
Martha worshiping Jesus because she was a doer. She was a servant. And so she was serving Jesus, serving him this delicious meal that she cooked. And Mary was once again, not helping Martha serve though. It says, Mary took a pound of ointment of pure nard, very precious and anointed Jesus's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. So this nard was extremely expensive to acquire. It was very, very expensive. And it would have been worth a whole year's wages, like the average person. I don't know what the average person makes here in America. I feel like I looked this up last time I talked about this story. But just think about the average income of America for the entire year. Let's just say it's like 70. I don't know if that's right. Let me look. Oh, wow. I was pretty close, actually. The median U.S. income in 2021 was 69717 So yeah, it's about $70,000 a year is the average median income. Now imagine owning something that costs $70,000. Now I have no clue where Mary got this expensive perfume. Perhaps it was um, willed down to her by somebody she knew. Uh, we don't know. We don't know how Mary acquired this precious ointment, but this was a very expensive thing to own. So imagine owning something that cost $70,000, you know, your entire yearly income. That would be a very hard thing to part with. But Mary parts with the entire thing. It says she took the pound of the ointment, and this would not be like a typical American pound, I don't think. I think this is a Roman pound which was about 12 ounces. One pound equals 12. Oh, wait, I guess it's, it's the same, isn't it? <laughs> 340 grams. Okay, so she had about a pound of the ointment of pure nard, very precious. She anointed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. We do know that she was crying also. There's another account of this story where Mary, you know, anointed Jesus' feet and she was crying and kissing his feet. So this nard would have been a very difficult thing to part with, I think, for somebody. But think about what Jesus had just done for this family. Jesus had just raised Lazarus from the dead. Like Mary's brother, who, whom she probably loved very much, was back. He was back. And like Jesus did that for their family, not to mention other things Jesus did for that family, just with his teaching and preaching and saving their lives. <laughs> so, I mean, Mary, when you think about it that way, I don't think she had any trouble giving this gift to Jesus. I think this was all she could give him. The most precious thing that she owned, she probably felt like it wasn't even enough because she's crying and kissing Jesus's feet, where we know that washing the feet of a person back in these days was like a very lowly position. Often servants would do it. After the traveler like came to their house, the servant would wash the feet of the visitor. So Mary was absolutely okay with prostrating herself in this lowly position to give Jesus the best gift that she could possibly give him while also kissing his feet, crying on his feet and wiping his feet with her hair. It says the house was filled with the fragrance of the ointment. So this was a very emotional scene of Mary just giving her all to Jesus very publicly, very unafraid of what people would think of her. This was Mary giving her all and expressing all of her emotions of 
thanksgiving to Jesus. But Judas, we know Judas, don't we? (laughs) He was one of the disciples. He obviously was the person who was going to betray Jesus. And so he gets mad that Mary is wiping Jesus's feet with that beautiful nard ointment. He says in verse five, why wasn't this ointment sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? And John makes this really funny distinction, actually, (laughs) which John often does. John was a tattletale out of like all of the gospels. John would name names for the stories. That's how we know that Peter was the one who cut off the ear. Actually, none of the other gospels said which disciple cut the ear off of the servant. But John was like, oh, yeah, that was Peter, by the way. (laughs) Oh, it's funny. Okay, so John says that Judas was a scumbag, basically. He would he would take money out of the treasury. He was the treasurer of the group. He kept the money. And so he was uh, helping himself every once in a while from the money bag. So he gets mad that Mary took a pound of this precious ointment worth a whole year's wages back in those days and just apparently wasted it on Jesus's feet. Now, the reason he was angry was because he wanted Mary to sell all of that ointment that was worth so much money. And he wanted her to give the money to Jesus so that he could keep it in the treasury for himself and take out of it, dip his hand in there every once in a while and take from that money, because that's what it says here. Now, he said this not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief having the money box and he used to steal what was put into it. So Jesus said to Judas, leave her alone. It's pretty uh, strong words. I think a lot of people don't think Jesus used strong words, but that's that's strong words. Leave her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor with you. You don't always have me. And that was that's funny because that's the verse of the day today on you version. You will always have the poor with you. You don't always have me. I don't think the disciples would have understood probably what Jesus was saying here. A lot of them didn't understand that Jesus had to die, but poor still exist. We still have the poor with us, but we don't have Jesus's presence here on earth with us anymore. Now, we know right after this, even though John does not specifically state it right here, we know that Judas, directly after Jesus confronted him publicly, he went out and found the Pharisees and told them, hey, I'm going to go betray Jesus for you guys if you give me some money for it. I've talked before about why Judas did that. We don't exactly know the direct motivation. Uh, Obviously, Judas was being influenced by Satan, and we know that Satan did enter into Judas at one point. But as far as why Judas went at this specific time, and for what reason, we're not 100% sure of that, but people like to speculate and stuff. Personally, I do think it's because Jesus uh, rebuked Judas publicly here, and um, it's also potential that Judas's dad was at this. We've talked about that before on the podcast. And Judas was embarrassed that Jesus rebuked him publicly. After this, it says to conclude in verses 9 to 11, a large crowd, therefore, of the Jews learned that he was there and they came not for Jesus's sake only, but that they might see Lazarus 
whom he had raised from the dead. So, of course, this miracle that Jesus did was getting out. And all the multitudes that are beginning to come into Jerusalem for the Passover dinner want to see Lazarus. They're hearing that he had been raised from the dead. And so they want to see that he's alive and well. And that's what's happening. Jesus is at Lazarus's house in Bethany. This entire multitude is coming to see Lazarus. But it says here in verse 10, but the chief priests conspired to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. So the chief priests actually also had it out for Lazarus, we find out right here. They were planning on putting Lazarus to get to death all over again because they didn't like Lazarus's testimony. It wasn't just Jesus that they wanted to put to death. They wanted to put to death somebody who had a wonderful testimony of Jesus. That just reminds me of the verse where it says that they don't hate you, they hate Jesus. It's not necessarily you that they hate. It's your words that are testifying Jesus. It's your testimony. So anybody that is anti-God, anybody that is an anti-Christ, because we know that there are many anti-Christs, they are going to try to shut you down. They're going to try to shut down your words if you believe in Jesus and if you profess Jesus, because what is actually happening is that they hate Jesus. They hate Jesus. So they're going to attack you, even though they don't have a personal gripe against you, other than the fact that you profess Jesus. And that's the same thing here with these Pharisees. They want to put Lazarus to death because of his testimony of Jesus. But of course, Lazarus was protected, just as you and I are protected through Jesus when we give our testimonies to people, you never know who they're going to help. So don't stop speaking your testimony just because somebody has it out for you. Don't do that. Keep professing Jesus. Keep telling your testimony publicly to people. Don't let them shut you down. Because just like Lazarus, where he helped so many people, it says on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Just like Lazarus, who had a wonderful testimony of Jesus's power, was able to help people begin to believe in Jesus. You never know how your testimony is going to touch people. You never, ever know. Let me know if you guys got your coloring books and if you are enjoying them and going through them with your kids or by yourself. Show me a picture of how you colored some of the uh, illustrations in there. I'd love to see those and maybe I will feature them on my Facebook page. Faithful listeners, I will see you all tomorrow for an episode out of Deuteronomy. Happy listening and God bless.